At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Cattle herds are at their lowest level since 1951. Wait this morning, about 1.8 million pounds of ground beef products used in restaurants may be contaminated with E. coli bacteria. Uh, so it's, as you mentioned, it's McDonald's, it's Yum Brands, of course, which operates with KFC, Pizza Hut, fairly big network. They've ordered all their outlets in China to start buying. The price of bacon is now at its highest point in 30 years. It's because of a combination of high demand and a shortage of healthy pigs. Last year, a virus killed millions of pigs in farms across more than 30 states. I've the stopped buying meat. Has now bacon at about Whoa, easy. I'm not a vegetarian. I didn't find myself in veganism. <laughs> I probably eat steak more than I ever could even afford to. But I no longer buy it from the grocery store. And you don't have to either. Today on Homesteady, stop buying meat. You don't have to. Here's how we stopped. What kind of chicken should I raise on my homestead? How do I grow corn on my property? Meat cow or milk cow? Are goats really the worst? What is the best breed of pig for my place? What is a soil pet? A Cornish cross is the devil. So how do I skin this deer? You ready to get your hands dirty? (laughs) It's Homesteady, the short edition. Here we go. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. First off, I want to apologize. I know if you've listened to our last episode, you're expecting this to be our live vacation episode, our fishing trip from uh, Rhode Island. We had a little technical difficulties with the computer and had to put it in the shop. Uh, So we're a little bit behind. But that one's still coming up in the future. Some some exciting news before we get started on today's topic. We're having a giveaway. Go to the Homesteady Facebook page, like the Facebook page, and you'll see we're giving away a Leatherman multi-tool. You can use it on the farm, you can use it in the woods, you can use it for some fishing, whatever you do, why ever you listen to Homesteady, whatever you're into, you can use this Leatherman tool. And we're going to give one away for free. All you got to do is like the Homesteady page and mention on our our Homesteady wall uh, 
one of your favorite episodes. Leave a comment, something you liked. Whatever you say, whatever you mention, you'll be in the running for the Leatherman. We're going to pick a winner, and we're going to ship it out. And we'll announce that on our next full-length episode. So uh, keep listening, and uh, like that Facebook page, and that's all you need to do. You get a free Leatherman. Sweet. Okay, today we're going to talk about how to stop buying meat. A couple of years back, me and my wife, before we even had kids, uh, we watched Food, Inc., and it changed our lives. Oh, how many people say that? <laughs> um, we saw Food, Inc., we didn't want to buy factory farmed food anymore. We didn't want to support CAFOs. Uh, if you don't know what any of that is, just Google the word CAFO. It's gross. Uh, so we decided we wanted to start eating better quality meat that had a better life. But I was only working part-time. Money was not, you know, we didn't have tons of cash lying around. Uh, So at the time, it seemed like it was too expensive to go to the farmer's market and buy everything organic right away. Uh, So we had to come up with a creative way to be able to eat better meat without uh, spending a ton of money. And that's how I got into hunting. Now, before you hang up, If you don't like hunting, just hear this out, because I didn't like hunting either. I didn't grow up as a hunter. My parents aren't, you know, a bunch of redneck hicks. (laughs) Um, I never had seen, I've never been exposed to hunting in my entire life. I'd eaten venison, I think, one time before. Um, But we wanted a way to put healthy meat that was raised in a natural environment on the table, and we couldn't afford to go buy it from the farmer's market. So hunting seemed like an obvious way the animal gets to live the most natural life ever. It's out in the woods. It's literally free range. It lives a normal, happy life, and then in a one day, that all ends in the most peaceful way that it can in its natural surroundings, without it knowing what's coming, without it feeling fear. So it seemed like a no-brainer. Now, again, I had never hunted before. I didn't know how to do it. I grew up not liking hunting because I just didn't understand it. And uh, so I was completely new, but I went, I did a lot of research. I read some books. I read some magazines and took a hunter safety course. I learned a lot from that course from other hunters, teaching you about safety and how to use the weapons correctly and I decided to start bow hunting before I uh, started to gun hunt because the bow and arrow you got to get a lot closer you got to be a lot better of a shot it involves a lot more technique and they said if you were good at the bow you'd be good at the gun Uh, so I started with bow hunting my first season and I went out there and I tried and tried and tried and I spent a couple months you know, a few days each month out there, and I scared tons of deer away, and I never got one. But I didn't give up, and the following year, I got my first deer. You'll hear more about that later. We'll have a whole uh, homesteady deer hunting episode. Um, But just know that was one of the most proud moments of my life, because I had no experience, nobody showing me how to do this. I was out in the woods, and about $30 of Walmart camo with a basic beginner bow and arrow. And I had got my outsmarted the white-tailed deer, which is an incredibly smart animal. And uh, I was able to track her down, 
found her, brought her home, let the meat hang for a few days, and then butchered it myself with a Field and Stream magazine in one hand that talked about how to butcher the deer and a fillet knife in the other. Brought it inside. My wife helped me break it all down. We put it in the freezer, and we cherished that meat. Not an ounce of meat was left on those bones. I literally carved every little bit I could off of it, and it taught me a real lot about not wasting the meat that we have and using every little bit for everything. We took the bones and made, um, you know, we took the bones, put them in a pot, uh, made, what do you call that stuff? Made uh, beef, uh, beef stock. You know, we ground up what we couldn't use for steaks, for burgers. And now that's a regular way I feed my family. I try every year to get four deer Four deer will last us throughout the year. We're a family of five, but one of them's a baby and the other two are still little. Uh, so four deer will last us and we can still share it with company. And if I can get four deer in the freezer, you get about 50, you know, 40 to 60 pounds, maybe more if it's a bigger deer. Um, but I average about 50 pounds per deer. If I get four deer, that's 200 pounds of meat in the freezer. And I use the bow and arrow and I use a gun. Uh, bow and arrow is a little more expensive the arrows are each more expensive and there's more equipment involved but the season is longer for bow hunting gun hunting shorter season more cost effective and a little bit easier because you have a gun in your hand uh, but believe it or not I actually get more deer with the bow and arrow than I do with the gun uh, so that's one major way to wipe out ever having to buy red meat I don't buy red meat anymore because of hunting well, the next step we needed to do was let's take chicken off our list. Uh, so when we moved to the country, now the nice thing about hunting is that even if you don't live in the country, if you don't live on, the, on a farm, if you don't have a rooftop farm in the city somewhere, everybody can go public land hunting. Uh, so that's an option for everyone. You can go onto public land and uh, harvest a deer, take it back and clean it up in your house if you have to. <laughs> now... The next thing we wanted to check off our list was chicken. When we moved to the country, we got egg-laying chickens, so we learned how to raise chickens. It was only a natural step to then raise some meat birds. Uh, so we ordered a bunch of Cornish crosses from a hatchery. Now again, hold the phone. If you're a purist and you think Cornish crosses are an evil hybrid, uh, let's just take a minute to talk about what they are. A Cornish cross, it's not a GMO, it's not genetically modified. It's a bird that's been bred over years and years and years to do one thing, and that is to get big and fat. Now, you might see on some movies, you might read about Cornish crosses. Some people hate them and think they're unnatural. Well, they're as unnatural as a lot of the dog breeds that we love. Any dog that's been bred to have a particular trait over the years is a hybrid that's been turned into a breed that now exists on its own. Uh, if it has a short nose, if it has a short legs, uh, if it has a specialized function. I have a yellow lab that's a bird dog that's been bred for years and years and years to do what it does. Uh, so a Cornish cross is no more unnatural than any of these dogs that we love. Um, it's just been bred to be big and fat. 
Now, does that mean it has leg problems? Well, every once in a while, it may get a leg problem. We've had, we raise about 100 a year, and we've had one or two that have ever had leg problems. We have just as many chickens die that aren't Cornish crosses as we do that are. Our Cornish crosses we put out on grass. They have a nice life. Uh, so if you hate the Cornish cross, you think it's the worst, maybe do a little bit more research. Maybe just try one batch and see because there's one thing that they do great, and that is grow big and fat. And they do that, they grow that way fast. And when you're just trying to raise your own meat and feed your family, you want to put meat on the table, you can't beat the Cornish cross. Now, if you choose to go another route, that's fine. You can go Freedom Rangers or Red Rangers or whatever other bird that's been bred to get a little bit bigger quicker. Uh, but I'll choose to Cornish cross any day. So we got our first batch. I think we got 10 birds our first batch. We raised them. And I really, really spent a lot of time with these chickens. I was collecting ants and feeding the baby chicks ants. I took care of them really well. Learned how these meat birds like to live. Put them out on pasture each day so they had some greens in them and butcher day was tough because these were animals that I had raised myself I'd cared for hunting is easier because you don't know that animal and it's out in the wild and it doesn't even know what's coming it doesn't see you when you raise your own animals and then you process them that's a little tougher and uh, we had a good friend come to the farm and show us how to do it and uh, you know I got over that you get your first one under your belt and after that, it's uh, it gets easier and easier. Now, you always cherish that meat because you've raised these animals and you've cared for them, and you always take make sure that nothing gets wasted. Uh, and that's the beautiful thing about providing for your you know self-sustaining meat. When you provide yourself and your family with your own meat, you know the work that went into that. You know the care and the time. You're going to use every last bit. So we raised up some meat birds, learned how to do it, we uh, have a really we've developed over the years a really great butchering process which actually we host a class on farm every year uh, how to butcher your own meat birds how to raise and butcher your own meat birds and uh, how to raise and process your own meat birds and if you'd like to join us for our next class we'll probably have one coming up this fall uh, join the homesteady email list you can do that on the website thisishomesteady.com Remember, like, this is Sparta, this is homesteady.com. <laughs> um, click on the link that says join the email list. You'll be notified when we have a class coming up. Uh, but we host a class every year, How to Raise Your Own Meat Birds. We've developed a really good process that is using all really cheap equipment. The process we use, you can save about $2,500 with the equipment that we use versus buying all these fancy things that they want to sell you. Uh, to do this processing. So we'll do two batches of about 50 birds each. Every year, a couple of them die, and I always give away some birds to my farm help. Uh, so I figure I wind up getting about 40 birds each. Each bird, after eight weeks, weighs four to five pounds, which is an incredibly quick time uh, to get that much meat off of an animal. And uh, we put about you know over 300 pounds you know, maybe 330, 350 pounds of meat in the freezer that way. Uh, so raising your own meat chickens, it's an easy way to go. You can process them the, yourself on farm, and uh, it's a great way to put meat. We, we do some as whole roaster birds. We break some up into wings and thighs and breasts, 
Uh, we collect all the wings from the different roaster birds, put them in a bag for wing night. It's And the meat is awesome. It's really moist. You don't get any of that black stuff that you'll see in commercially raised chicken. Uh, like if you're biting near the bone and you see those veins with black stuff in it, that's coagulated blood. You don't get any of that. Uh, it tastes good. It's moist and delicious. And it has no antibiotics. I've never had to use any antibiotics on my birds. Uh, that's the way to go. No medicated feed. We get a locally raised feed. It's awesome. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. So right now we're up to 330 to 50 pounds of meat with chickens, another 200 with deer, uh, or more if you want to get more deer. But that's usually what we get. So we're up to like 500 pounds of meat a year. Now let's go for the big money item. Not everybody's going to be able to do this. I get it. But if you can, you got to do it. Raise pigs. Now I say pigs. You never want to just have one pig. You always want to have at least two. The first year we got our first pigs, we got two of them for ourselves. And uh, pigs are unhappy if they're by themselves. They're a herd animal. So you need to have at least two. And you don't need as much space as you think you do. Our pig we talked about it in the last episode our uh, system for pasturing pigs we have a holding pen then we have a run and then we have a pasture now our holding pen is only 16 by 16 i believe it's not a really big pen um, and it's a concrete slab with the fence poured into it so it's pretty much escape proof and we just fill it with hay so they're not walking on that hard concrete um, and then we have rubber mats where their food is but you can literally literally raise two pigs in that holding pen for their entire life. And if you give them slop and grass clippings and garden weeds, they're going to be so happy, so much better off than any of those animals raised in confinement that you're buying from the supermarket. Uh, so you only really need a you know 15 by 15 area to raise pigs. Now, if you have more, great, use it. But again, if you only have a house on one acre, you could still raise pigs. Just make sure your fencing is really secure. And the key with pigs is it doesn't have to be high fence. It can be shorter. It needs to be down in the ground and secured. We take all our fencing and attach the bottom of that fencing with zip ties to logs so those pigs can't rip that fencing up. But we take our pigs in just four to five months. We get them at eight weeks old. We raise them. They wind up uh, before their process to be about 350 to 400 pounds. They get really big. We feed them uh, locally grown uh, corn and soy mix. It's GMO free. It's a great mash uh, that we get from a family who raises the. They grow the corn just a half hour from us, and uh, so all they grow all the stuff a half hour from us, and they deliver it on farm in one ton bags. Um, and we do more than just two pigs, but all you got to do is two. Once you get them to full size, you bring them to the processor, you're going to get back almost 200 pounds of meat on each pig. Again, depending on how big you grow your pigs, but ours usually wind up hanging about 190 to 200 pounds. And that's 
sausage and bacon and ham and steaks and chops and ribs, roasts. I love my pork. (laughs) We sell pork. Uh, Our farm, the only thing we actually sell is pork. And the reason we decided to sell pork above anything else is because of all the farm-raised animals, chickens, cows, um, goats, pigs, whatever it is, the meat that you get from a farm-raised pig is worlds different than the meat you get from a commercially raised animal. Grass-fed beef is an acquired taste you got to get used to. Chicken is chicken. It's better, but it's not. It tastes like chicken. Pork raised on a farm is so much better. And that's why we decided to go You do that as our actual farm business because we were like, wow, this is way better. <laughs> Um, and we this year we're sold out of pork. We're going to do a fall batch of pigs because we've sold out. So from each pig, you're going to get another 200 pounds. If you keep two pigs like we do, that's 400 more pounds. So add that on to our 530. Now you got 930 to 50 you know, pounds of pork, depending on each animal. That's a ton of meat. If you figure what a family of four needs... They say a half a pound of meat per person for each meal, right? So if you factor dinners, uh, accountant Mike's not here. You can do the math. (laughs) A thousand pounds of meat is going to cover a family of four, no problem. That's all we do for meat. Now that might sound kind of boring. Well, you're only eating three different types of meat. Well, I also go fishing. So I keep a fish once in a while, a little bit of variety there. But then remember... We don't buy meat from the supermarket anymore. When we go out to dinner, that's when we get cow steak. That's our treat. When we go out to a restaurant, we get red meat. You know, we'll, we'll get a filet mignon, and that's like a specialty. Or if we go to friends' houses and, you know, we're, they're, they're doing burgers or something. We do deer burger, but we get red meat, you know, cow meat. Uh, when we go to different people's houses, um, you know, sometimes we'll trade. We'll trade some pork for grass-fed beef. Um, My wife's aunts raise lamb. We'll trade pork for lamb. So we get some lamb that way. So, you know, as you start to raise your own and gather your own, you can always do a little bartering with friends. And that way you get a little bit more variety. That way we get a little bit of cow steak. We get a little bit of lamb too. uh, And it just changes things up. And this year we're going to try goat for the first time too. We have a, a buck out back who's Got another month or two on the farm, and then he'll go to freezer camp. Uh, But that's it. That's how we do it. That's how we've stopped buying meat from the supermarket. We have not needed to buy meat from the supermarket for two to three years at this point. And uh, we have no plans of changing that up. (laughs) So I hope, don't quit tomorrow. Don't expect yourself to flick the switch and not have to ever buy meat again. But try one of those things. If you got the room in your backyard raise some chickens. If you don't know how and you want to come to a class, join the email list. You can come to the on-farm how to raise chickens and um, process your own. It's a hands-on course. We teach you everything. So join the email list for that. Or just email me at aust at thisishomesteady.com and uh, mention that you want to be notified about the next class. Um, if you don't, if you want to be real brave and jump into pigs, do it. You don't need that much room. Just have some real good fencing and they do take a lot of feed. And uh, if you don't have any land, 
learn to hunt. Do a little more reading on it. Really think about it because you might be like me. Maybe you didn't grow up hunting. Maybe it seems like a foreign concept. Um, my mom cried the first time I told her I was going to be a hunter. <laughs> but she's now a convert too and we'll have my parents over and they'll eat venison just as quick as the next person. Notice this whole podcast. I didn't say we don't pay for meat. Raising your own animals still costs money. Hunting still costs money. The point in doing this is not because everything will be free. You're still going to have a big investment. And what you don't spend in money, you will spend definitely in time and hard work. But when you sit down at that dinner plate and you look at that animal that you either raised yourself or that you took the time and learned and tracked and where it was able to harvest yourself in the woods... Whatever it is, you're going to cherish every bite of that. Your friends who come over are going to be impressed and really enjoy what you share with them. You're going to be able to tell the story behind that plate. It's going to add so much more meaning to every meal you have. So get out. Try one of those ways. Raise something. Hunt something. Whatever you do, give it a shot. And remember, the road is rocky. Make home steady. I'll see you next time. Hey guys, don't forget, go on to Facebook, like the Facebook page, leave a comment about the podcast. You'll be in the running for that Leatherman sweet knife. <laughs> you can use it for whatever. So go check out the Facebook page. It's This Is Homesteady. Uh, Facebook.com slash This Is Homesteady. Uh, next Homesteady full-length episode is it worth it to get egg-laying chickens? And why am I getting rid of all of mine? Find out on the next full-length episode of Homesteady. We'll see you then.